Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Am I currently in callbacks for a role that's supposed to be played by someone in their 50s? Yes. Does it make me feel good about myself? Um... Oh my god, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my god, guys. Jake Jake is hot. I can't believe Jake is hot. Oh my god, Jake is hot. Oh my god. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, this past week has been insanely busy in wonderful ways. If you're a performer, you know that this is the time of year where auditions and callbacks and all of that really kick into high gear. So as exciting as that is, I just wanted to sort of put out into the universe good energy for all of us. I think it's very easy to get caught up in the the hustle and the grind and we get really down on ourselves a lot for not working hard enough or not being in class every single day or not getting that call back or whatever. And I just, I want to wish all of my fellow performer girlies a wonderful audition season that is stress-free. We can take the pressure off of ourselves and just know that our self-worth is not determined by booking the Muni. I mean, of course, no shade to the Muni. You know what I mean. I just, we are all our own individual beautiful sunflowers. Uh, is that a good analogy? Whatever. We owe it to ourselves to not take this that seriously. Because at the end of the day, we're just telling stories and making people happy with our art. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes. But anywho, it is time to dive into this week's Broadway World Recap, brought to you by my amazing friends at BroadwayWorld.com. Okay, first, you guys, we have to talk about the trailer that BroadwayWorld.com shared of the new burlesque musical that's happening in England. You guys, it's starring Jess Folly, and this teaser trailer is so sickening. I I cannot wait for this. I mean, my little gay heart has just been a pitter-patter for burlesque since it came out, but... This musical is going to be so, so good. It's it's a perfect story for a musical. I've always thought that it would be amazing on the stage. And now Jess Folly is going to lead this incredible cast. She looks amazing, amazing in the trailer. She sounds incredible. I cannot wait for this. If this tiny teaser trailer is any indication of what it's going to be like, we are in for a hoot. So definitely check that trailer out on broadwayworld.com. Next, you guys, we got a very pretty first look at Michelle Visage and Ramin Karamulu in The Addams Family in London. And you guys, they look stunning. I mean, Ramin, obviously, just gorgeous and handsome. And I think he looks perfect in the costume. But Miss Visage as Morticia Adams, darling. I mean, it's undeniable. If you are a fan of Drag Race, if you sort of are 
basically in the queer community or know anything about it, you know who Mr. Michelle Visage is. And she looks so stunning in these promo shots. I am interested to see like how she plays this role. But from from these photos, girl, she looks she's giving mother. She's giving mother the hair, the makeup, the body. It's Stuntina Aguilera. I I'm just obsessed. Next, you guys, we got the very exciting announcement that Alan Cumming is going to bring his solo show to Studio 54 in March for one night only. This will be Alan Cummings' first time back on the Studio 54 stage since his legendary and Tony Award-winning turn as the MC in Cabaret, and I could not be more excited. I love Alan Cumming. I mean, speaking of burlesque earlier, I love Alan Cumming. He's just always unabashedly himself. His show is called Alan Cumming is Not Acting His Age, and it's going to play Studio 54 for one night on March 11th of 2024. And he describes his one-man show as an evening of story mixed with song, mixed with a joyful and mischievous exploration of our most communal of pastimes, aging. You just know he is not going to hold back. This is going to be absolutely hilarious. I am getting tickets today. Next, you guys, we got a rather disappointing update that How to Dance in Ohio is already going to close on Broadway. It's currently running at the Belasco Theater, and when it closes, it will have played a total of 99 performances. And I'm just so bummed because this show really made history. I mean, it included seven actors on the autism spectrum in its leading roles, and it just broke so many barriers. And uh, I haven't even gotten to see it yet, and I really have to before it closes. We were lucky enough to get a cast recording for this show, which is very exciting, and you can listen to it on any streaming platform now. But I'm wishing a huge congratulations to this cast and crew because you guys, you did the damn thing. Sometimes it's just so, so hard to keep a show open. And lastly, you guys, we got the very exciting announcement that a newly realized production of Disney's Beauty and the Beast is set to premiere a North American tour starting in June of 2025. Y'all, I am so excited about this. I love Beauty and the Beast so much. The original show literally ran for 13 years on Broadway, and it still holds the record in being like one of the top 10 longest running shows on Broadway. So the fact that Alan Menken has teamed back up with this incredible production team to recreate and reimagine this show is so thrilling. I have a sneaking suspicion that it might edge, you know, nudge them to bring it back to Broadway and do a little revival with this newly reimagined version. But I am so excited and perhaps I will finally get to play the role of Madame de la Grande Boosh, the wardrobe. Just, just let me do it, okay? And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. Okay, this episode is going to be a little different and I'm super excited about it. This is something that I've wanted to do for so long and I thought I'm, I'm over a year into the podcast and if you guys are still here, then clearly you're not entirely sick of my voice yet, which by the grace of God, I, I don't know how that happened, but um, I'm so grateful that you guys are all here to listen. And I wanted to do my very first cue and slay. If you guys, okay, do you remember, do you remember when Leslie Margarita did her um, vlogs backstage of Matilda? Hi, Leslie, friend of the pod. I know you're listening. Um, 
so she would always do a Q&A, Q&A, a Q&A. And I thought, what better way to connect with all of you wonderful, lovely people than by answering your actual questions. So I took to social needs and I asked you guys what you want to know. And these are just a few of the amazing number of questions that I received. And I am so excited to answer them for you and also maybe um, save some for another little cue and slay moment. That's what we're calling it. The Oh My Pod, you guys, cue and slay. Duh. Branding. Gay. Okay, so let's dive right into these hard-hitting questions. And you guys, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I mean, that that's what I mean. I'm going to be honest when I answer these questions. And some of these answers, um, let's just say I'm sharing stories that are a little vulnerable, okay? We're getting a little vulnerable on the podcast this evening or this morning or afternoon or whatever time it is that you are listening. But currently for me, it's the evening time. So ha. Oh, also, just really quick, um, before I dive into the questions, I did want to share that I will be back at Chicago the Musical on Broadway, standing by for the role of Mary Sunshine from January 29th to February 6th for 10 performances. I have zero scheduled on dates, but I will, of course, take to Instagrammies um, and update you guys if any of that changes. Obviously, um, our amazing standby who will be on, Joseph London, is going to kill it. Um, but if if they need me to be on, I will, of course, let everyone know. I would love to see, you know, familiar faces in the audience. But yeah, so, so excited to be back at The Ambassador. And back to the cue and slay. Okay, so my first question comes from my dear friend, Miss Brianna. And sidebar, if you have never heard Brianna Bryce sing, go to my Instagram because we did a cover of Let Me Be Your Star from Smash. And darling diva dear, Miss Brianna is singing the house down. She's insane. But she says, since I have so many students auditioning right now, hint, she's a voice teacher, what were college auditions like for you? Which is actually a really timely question because I have the honor and pleasure of getting to help run the dance call slash, you know, sit in on all of the auditions for the students auditioning for my alma mater, the Hart School, this weekend at Unifieds here in New York City. And I'm so excited about it. But this question it was like perfect. I, as soon as I saw her write in, I was like, oh my gosh, it's literally happening tomorrow. So let's talk college auditions. You guys, obviously, every single person's journey is individual and specific to them. My journey was different than I would even say most because I auditioned for three programs. No, four. Four programs. I auditioned for the Boston Conservatory, NYU Tisch, Montclair State University, and the Hart School, which was the school that I ended up attending. But all things considered, you guys, auditioning for four programs is kind of unheard of, especially now, because that's a really, really low number. I just didn't really know that much about programs, you know, specifically for musical theater. I knew I wanted to be halfway close to New York City, if not in New York City, and I just wanted a rigorous training program. But other than that, I sort of just 
threw caution to the wind and decided to audition for these four programs. I, funny enough, obviously, because, you know, we now know that Michigan, University of Michigan is, if not the top, one of the most incredible programs um, for musical theater in the country. And I, being in Minnesota, was like, hell no, that is way too close to home. I'm not going to Michigan. What? Absolutely not. So I didn't even audition, didn't even do the research, whatever. My mom was like, I don't know. I heard about this really amazing program. And I was like, ah, no, too close. Well, (laughs) didn't even audition for Michigan. But (laughs) again, I am so, so grateful for my experience at the Hart School. So no regrets there. But it is funny that I have friends who auditioned for 15, 20, 25 musical theater programs over the course of, you know, three months prior to attending school. Like it is, this is a crazy kooky world. The, the musical theater collegiate world. It is cutthroat and expensive, you guys. I mean, just application fees were 50 to 100 to 200 dollars. And then you're doing pre-screens, you're paying money for studio space and camera time and and accompanists and all of it. Like it can be so expensive. So I will say that college auditions now more than ever, I think we really need to focus on removing this insane paywall because it is so indicative of the privilege of the people who are able to even just get get into the room to audition, let alone to then attend a program. But all of that is to say, my college audition experience was I went to the campus for NYU's audition and then all my other auditions were at Chicago Unifieds, which is where the top programs in the country all come together and hold auditions at the same time so that all of these students and hopefuls can just bang out as many auditions as possible over the course of like three days. So it was an absolute blizzard in Chicago, Illinois. And I showed up and I was like, well, we made it here. So we're staying, we're stuck. Like we we couldn't leave. So I auditioned for Boston Conservatory and Montclair State University. And then my mom actually said, you know what, while we're here, they, this program called the Heart School, they have um, an available appointment. You should audition. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I don't know if I can do it right now. Uh, You know, whatever, whiny me. And she was like, no, 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 you should just do it. Go in. I fell in love with the program in within five minutes of being in that audition room because I could tell instantly that the faculty was going to understand who I was and what my talent was and they were not going to try to um, push me into a box. They, They were only there to help broaden my horizons and so that that is what I tell people auditioning most to look for is like if you can feel it, if it feels like the right fit in the audition room, even within the first two minutes of being in there, if you get a right vibe, go for it. You won't regret it. I, I am so grateful to have gone to the heart school and I'm just so excited to help the next heart babies audition tomorrow. So anyway, long story long, Brianna, that is my college audition story. 
Okay, next question, you guys, comes from a lovely friend of mine, Miss Emily A. She says, what is your dream role and who are your dream castmates? Now, this is a loaded question and we've talked about it on the pod before because as much as I want to play existing roles, my dream of dream roles is to do something completely new, completely gender fucked and non-binary and me, mama. But I'm going to take this opportunity to share the roles that I want to play in existing shows, which are as follows. One green girl named Elphaba Throp in a little known musical called Wicked. Um, I want to play Elphaba so motherfucking bad. Paint me green. Now, paint me green. Um, I also really would love to play Sibella in any production of A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. I love that show. I love the score. I think it's absolutely brilliant and hilarious. And I want to sing like that. Honestly, bottom line, you guys, I want to play ladies. It's just the, the ladies roles are just so vibrant and colorful and lush. And it's the way that I, I like to sing the most. So any anything like that. I mean, truly anything Kelly O'Hara has ever done. Okay, which also brings me to dream castmates because that's tricky. Because I, I want to work with everyone. I mean, there are so, so many people in this industry, not just, you know, like names, like well-known people, but like friends, close, close friends of mine who have come so far and are, are just one job away from becoming a name and making it. And I just, I can't wait to see those people shine. So I don't know, friends near and far who I've had the pleasure of working with, those are who I look forward to, to doing shows with the most. But hey, if Kelly O'Hara would like to do a show with me, hi, mother, I, I will do it in one moment. Okay, you guys, next question is a rather serious one which comes from my lovely friend, Carmen P. She asks, is it possible to be a performer and have IBS? If so, how? Now, if you'll recall earlier in this podcast, I did mention that we're going to get a little vulnerable this evening. And I think that this question sort of lends itself to that. So I'm just going to say, I, if you know me, you know that my stomach is just not one who uh, likes to do its job in any capacity or or way. Um, so that being said, I will say that yes, Carmen, I I am speaking as a proud and out and proud performer with IBS. I'm I'm carrying the torch for all of us. Uh, I'm not going to say that this has not caused mishaps and uh, misadventures. Uh, I can I can confirm that there was a performance of Chicago the Musical on Broadway where my my dresser Rick was calling my name from the bottom of the stairs waiting to put me into my costume while I was still buttoning my pants from having an emergency situation in the restroom moments, mere moments before I had to step on the stage. I was like, 
okay, I'm feeling a little weird, but I, oh, oh no, oh no, something is not right. And uh, lo and behold, she, uh, she made it. She made it on stage in, uh, in the costume, but uh, it, was a, it was a close call. So yes, Carmen, you should be delighted to know that you can, in fact, make a successful career in the theater with IBS. My next question comes from Kyle M. Kyle asks, how did you discover Legally Blonde the musical, and have you ever watched The Search for Elle Woods? Kyle, I'm going to stop you right there. Do you think that I would have a podcast called Oh My Pod, you guys, and not have seen The Search for Elle Woods? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me get hold of myself here. Yes. Yes, I have watched it. Many, many times. I'm obsessed. It's so absolutely ridiculous when they are on those fucking bikes, scream singing, and <laughs> that show was unhinged. But how did I first come about Legally Blonde the musical? Well, I think it was because one of my very best friends in the whole wide world who, friend of the pod, has been on the show. And if you haven't listened to her episode, you must. Miss Kat McNamara. She and I grew up doing shows together in Kansas City, and we would listen to the Legally Blonde soundtrack in the car uh, pretty much every time we were in the car. So we were always screaming, oh my God, you guys, and um, going back and forth between who was Elle and who was being Pilar and Serena. So I don't know. I guess I guess maybe Kat introduced me to Legally Blonde. But then, you know, of course, I had to do the deep dive with the search for Elle Woods, but also that incredible MTV recording of the full show where they played it on TV. That got my little gay heart pounding, darling diva dear. And I mean, Andy Carl as the UPS guy, Kyle. Oh my God, Kyle. This is a question from Kyle. And now I'm speaking about Andy Carl playing Kyle. He, those, his thighs in those little UPS shorts, mama. If I didn't know I was gay then, I certainly know it now. Who am I kidding? I, I knew I was gay then. But I have loved Legally Blonde forever. It was such an honor to have the icon, Miss Laura Bell Bundy, on the podcast. If you haven't listened, you must listen to her episode. She's amazing and she's so kind and lovely. And yeah, that's that's, I think, how I first came about Legally Blonde. Okay, this next question comes from Colton B, whom I adore. And let me tell y'all, this this is a very good question. Okay, this is hard. If you could make an alien listen to one show tune, which would it be? Now, I guess we have to sort of just like imagine for ourselves what type of alien we are dealing with here. Are we just like, is it E.T.? Is it... Are we like talking to like the little green men? Is it more of like, uh, like they're fully like advanced and scary and like coming to take over and I have to save the world by playing them one musical theater song? I'm going to go with that option. We're going to go with the latter. So I did some thinking about this. And while I think there are many, many options that could save this earth from an alien takeover, I do think that the most profound and 
beautiful and stirring, rousing, if you will, number in a Broadway musical would have to be put on your Sunday clothes from Hello, Dolly. Now, hear me out. I know, I know. It's exactly what they need. No, I I know. Everybody's going to have opinions and whatever, but this is my podcast. So if you want to choose a different song, you can start your own. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need need to calm down. So put on your Sunday clothes has one of the most incredible arcs, builds. There are so many tempo changes and the nuance of the melody and the harmonies. And then by the end, when we're chugging along on the choo-choo train and you can feel it in the music and the sopranos are screaming and the trumpets are blaring. It's just so beautiful. Also, you guys, if you didn't see this last revival with the fucking rainbow costumes in Sunday clothes, I don't know what to tell you. Well, you're not a homosexual is what I can tell you, but my God, I love that song. If ever I just need to hear joy, if I just need to like make myself feel something, I will lay down on my bed and I will pop that song into my AirPods and it makes me cry every single time. It's just so beautiful. The the little trumpet thing that I mean, come on, come on. It's brilliant. So Colton to save the world, I would play the aliens put on your Sunday clothes. And they will come home. Like what? Unto be fully loved. Like, okay. Okay. All right. My next question is from Connor. And Connor asks, what was the difference in your expectation of Broadway versus the reality? And then he goes on to say, love listening to the pod. That is very sweet. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate it. Okay. So the difference that I've experienced. Well, let me just preface by saying my entire journey with being in a Broadway show is very different than a lot of people's. I know that it it sounds so cliche and it is, but it's also true because I am, I, I play a very specific role in a very iconic show that's been running for 27 years. That's just unheard of in itself. But the way that I got called in to do it was also so different. So my entire expectation of like what I thought Broadway was or like the way that I thought I would hope to make it on Broadway was not this way. I've always loved and appreciated Chicago and the role of Mary Sunshine. So in that regard, like it was such a a dream come true and such an honor, but I never thought that my Broadway debut would be in that show, in that role. I I hoped to be able to play it one day, but I never thought that it would be my first. So my expectation of Broadway was something that just, it, it kind of is this like weird, ephemeral, you can't really like pin it down at all. There's just this magic to it. And I think that came from watching, again, but we're hearkening back to Miss Leslie Margarita on on her vlogs, but watching those backstage videos and seeing how much fun people were having 
while living their dreams and, and doing what they're best at. That's what I like longed for. And that's not to say that that's not the reality of it, but my expectation was just this like big, beautiful, everyone's happy all the time. Everyone is just thrilled to be there and it's all easy and you just get to show up to your theater and do your show and have fun and that's it and then you know everybody hangs out everybody in shows and stuff all like is our our friends and we all go out and hang out together after and go to bowling and it's all just magical and while a lot of that is true I will say that the reality of being in a Broadway show, and again, I am not in a show eight shows a week for years on end. That has not been my experience so far. But seeing people, being so close to people who do have that experience, it is the hardest thing a, a person can do. Doing a an eight show week, sometimes a 10 show week, sometimes 15 shows in a row without a day off is a different thing than you expect Broadway to be. Now, don't get it twisted. In in no way, by no means, am I complaining about the fact that I have been able to be in a Broadway show. That's not what this is. But I have to share the realities of just the the sheer work that it is. And not just being a performer. It is work for everyone across Every single department, hair, makeup, costumes, lighting, sound, run crew, carpentry, electricians, everyone. Like we are all there, all working at the same time every single day, except for one day off. And sometimes every single day for 15 days or something ridiculous like that. It It is just a beast. And so that I think is what I would most um, prepare people for in in dreaming of Broadway because it is it's amazing the caliber of shows that people are able to put on on a Broadway level is just extraordinary but it also comes with an insane insane amount of work and that I think has just it made me even more respectful and have more just appreciation for for what we do and how hard we work because I've I've seen it firsthand. So yeah, I think that's the difference for me. It's all still magical, but it's magic because of how hard people work for it. Okay, you guys, my next question comes from a lovely friend, Miss Gabby M. And she asks, would love to hear a memorable onstage mishap. And as if my poop story wasn't enough, I... I kind of can't even narrow down one specific mishap because there are just oh so many. Uh, <laughs> I will say falling down the stairs on Broadway, the second performance I ever did, that was rather, uh, I, I would call that a mishap for sure. But I didn't, I didn't like all the way fall. I just, you know, like tripped and was like, place rose colored glasses so like it, it was you know embarrassing of course but like not extremely horrible uh but let me tell you there have been on more than one occasion uh mishaps where it's going down I'm yelling timber I mean I did a show let's see I did Mamma Mia at the Mac Hayden Theater which was 
so much fun. I met some of the most important people in my life there. And uh, we were doing the number, Does Your Mother Know? And I casually just kicked my leg and my water shoe flew into the audience and someone caught it. So I would say that is probably up there. Hmm, let's see. What else? I mean, this this wasn't during an actual performance, but it is hilarious and I love to tell this story. Once I did a production of 1776 at Connecticut Repertory Theater, and it was directed by Terrence Mann, icon of the Broadway stage. And Terry, uh, I was playing Reverend Jonathan Witherspoon, who, if you know, is the delegate from New Jersey. So he doesn't come into the show until like, 30 minutes in or like 35 minutes in he's like the last person to get there so we were teching the show but we were all in full costume and wigs and everything so I had not made it onto the stage yet so Terry was out in the audience watching of course with like the god mic and everything and like just facilitating things and I make my entrance and I say my first line and Terry Mann over the god mic goes Jake Workman, take that wig off. You look like someone I would take to the sock hop. And I, <laughs> I just, I mean, I absolutely adore Terry. So I was not offended, but I could not keep it together. And I fully was crying with laughter. It, it was one of the funniest things that has ever happened to me on a stage. And finally, you guys, my last question comes from Ryan S., and Ryan asks, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And you guys, this is a really cool question to ask. I mean, to ask anybody, honestly, I always love to like sort of hear where people think their trajectory is going. But to ask an artist is so just exciting because the world of art and theater and creation is just so vast. The possibilities truly are endless. So I think my answer would just be, I have no idea and I'm kind of okay with it. I, I, I look forward to continuing to study and learn and it sounds so gross and cliche, but hone my craft. I just, I'm so lucky to be a performer and to be able to get to do what I do. And yeah, I just look for, I mean, of course, of course, there are things that I, I hope for. I hope to be in an original cast of a show on Broadway. I hope to get to play big parts and, and sing amazing scores and make friends with amazing, wonderful people. But I guess my most solid thing, well, I guess it's not even solid because I was going to say that I hope or I, I see myself being in New York City in 10 years, but who knows? I could be anywhere. I could be on a boat somewhere in the middle of the ocean or in London or in Tokyo. Like it, you just never know. This, this job and this industry sort of just determine where you go and you follow it. So I don't know. I'm really excited about it, though. Thanks for that question, because, yeah, it's fun to imagine where all, all of the, oh, the places you'll go, to quote Dr. Seuss. No, not that anti-Semitic person. Whatever. I, Seussical. Anyway, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this Q and Slay. I 
have loved getting to do this actually. And I so look forward to getting more of your questions and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so, so much for listening to the pod. You can follow the show on Instagram at ohmypod, you guys. And please, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen because it really helps the algorithms do the things with the numbers and the and the, all of it for the pod. I love you guys so much. This has been so, so fun. I'll talk to you soon. All my love. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.